This podcast is brought to you by, by, by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets. Hello, I'm Mabatu Munzi and your host. Today I'm speaking to JD Bodma and Adrian Kearns. JD is a senior developer at OpenUp. He is responsible for making sure OpenUp uses tech effectively. JD believes everyone should have the same opportunities and freedoms. He believes the government belongs to the citizenry and should serve them. Adrian is a project manager at OpenUp, as well as the program manager for the organization's local government program. Welcome to our ninth episode on Speaking Civic Tech in Africa. Tell us about OpenUp. OpenUp is a, a civic technology organization. Uh, we're a nonprofit based in South Africa. We believe that technology and innovative thinking can help to bring citizens and government closer and work more effectively together. While people often confuse us for a, a software company, uh, we really believe that the, the whole um, innovative process and, and design process can, can help in improving how, how the civic environment works. And how does this tie into uh, civic technology? I think we take quite a broad view of civic technology, where we consider civic technology anything where uh, technology or innovative thinking is improving how how government works, and particularly how government works with the, the citizenry, and how the citizenry is empowered to make use of the services that are available to them and improve those services and address problems. So OpenUp has this, this mantra, inform, empower, activate. We don't think it's sufficient for people just to be informed about how government works or about what their rights are. And it doesn't help that they're empowered, that they have access to mechanisms to improve their, their lives. We think it's only sufficient when they're actually taking action. And when you try to look at it all the way to the end where they're taking action, you start looking at why people might not be taking action. And that, I think, embodies OpenUp's approach. So we're an organization of a, a range of different skills. We have people from the, the legal field. We have some technologists. We have some designers. And all of those things come together to look at the, the problem as a whole. And you, Adrian, coming from a background of government and state, what does civic tech mean to you? I kind of look at civic tech as a vehicle. And I, when I, say, I don't mean like the sort of like synonym or the, the phrase, but I mean like an actual tangible vehicle in that your vehicle needs to get you from like point A to point B. And like many vehicle manufacturers, they test the vehicle and they, they try and build it to the potential user's needs. They depend entirely on feedback so that they can improve on that you know, you get a you get one version of this vehicle, then a year later and you get a better version of it. And I think for me that's what Civic Tech has meant to me in that open up pretty much does the same thing. We centered around what the users need or what they're trying to or the problem they're trying to solve. And coming from government, we know that that's also the primary goal of government is deliver services to citizens. But what what makes open up or what makes the civic tech space so much more interesting is that it's done at a rapid pace. We follow an agile project management process that almost demands of us on a two-weekly basis to put something out there so that we can get feedback from our potential users. For me, that civic tech is focusing on this important element of user-centered design so that we know we want to find out what the problem is. For who is this the problem? Why is it the problem? And as somebody else tried to solve this problem, what, what happened in that instance? Was it, was it technology or was it just a mere 
conversation with, with a group of people around the particular problem. You speak of how a rapidly technology changes. What would you say have been some of your challenges that open up? There are so many challenges we face within South Africa as well. I mean, just, just thinking from a project management implementation point of view, very often our projects are implemented in what we call rural communities. And we, we struggle with the mere fact that there is very limited infrastructure or connectivity for that matter. So that already hinders the opportunity for a, a, a community member or a citizen to use an app or to use a portal or something like that. And if they want to, they still have to consider the data cost. So that's been one, for me, that's been a big challenge in South Africa, in various communities, is that there's a lack of infrastructure. I think, um, as you say, the, the change in technology happens all the time, but I think Jerry will be able to best answer that. But just in terms of our organization, the, the requirement, the skills requirement within our organization is quite diverse. I almost want to call ourselves at times a hybrid collection of skills and experience because it's not the norm. And because of that, the way we implement projects and the way we try and solve a particular problem is quite unique. And that means we need a unique skill base and we need a, a unique set of, of staff. And that has been at times a challenge in um, sometimes finding the appropriate person. Sometimes you find the appropriate person, but due to turnover or better opportunities, that person leaves. So I think those two things really stick out for me as uh, challenges. Yeah, I think the challenge often isn't, isn't so much the, the technology itself or even the access to technology as it is people's willingness to, to try things and the, the willingness to, to work in an, in an agile way, in an, to follow an agile process. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean changing direction a lot. It means doing the smallest amount of work and then trying to let people use that to then see if it's working effectively or not, if it's solving the problem. And then learning from that and improving on it and doing that in an ongoing cycle. And that's something we struggle with internally and externally. Um, with government, for example, there's this giant fear that uh, you can't put something out before it's perfect. But of course, we know that nothing is ever perfect. And the sooner you realize what the, what the rough edges are on what you're trying to do, the sooner you can, can change direction and, and do, do better. And, and there's this fear that no one is going to use your thing because they don't have access to data. But people do have access to data today. Maybe not gigabytes and gigabytes, but there's, there's something you are able to do. And if you don't try, you're not going to kind of understand where they are and, and, and meet them in the middle. Uh, in the same way, internally, it's very hard to um, instill a culture inside the organization as well of how small an intervention you can make, how, how small a tool you can make how simple you can do something just to get something done and out there and see people using it and learn from that and then improve on it. That's probably the thing that I think, I think takes the most energy. But once it's there, we're, we're learning really rapidly because our, our preconceptions of what the problems are, are always going to be massive. Uh, we need to be learning very quickly. So it's, it's a challenge. But I think it's, it's a, a very healthy place to put the energy. And we do see progress in that respect with government that uh, we do often get the opportunity to install an agile process in how things work. 
And then they are really, really satisfied seeing how quickly things are learned. But despite perhaps the resistance to change and to try out new ways of doing things, civic tech is continuing to grow in South Africa, in Africa more broadly. What would you say have been the drivers of uh, civic tech and the accelerated growth in terms of the initiatives in, in South Africa? What have you picked up to be the drivers or in which areas of society are you finding that there's a boom in the initiatives? Is it more healthcare? Um, is it more service delivery? I think there's been an acknowledgement or a recognition of the important value of technology and how it can change people's lives and make it better. Especially in South Africa, I think COVID-19 has also been this opportunity where due to social distancing and due to the realities that people can't engage the way they normally would, that both government and communities have almost forcefully been brought into the space of having to use technology to uh, communicate, to voice their opinions, to do groceries for that matter, to do, uh, you know, some simple things that they might have necessarily just normally done like in person. That for me has been an interesting period last year and even now still that COVID-19, yes, it's been a, a big setback and a big problem across the globe. But there has been this um, uh, opportunity for, for example, the, this podcast and online meetings. There's been a, a decrease in, a massive decrease in having to have face-to-face meetings. And I know government, for example, we normally have our meetings face-to-face. So it's required us to you know, use the online platform. Unfortunately, the wheels of change is considerably slow within um, the civil service or within the public sector. But it is turning. And I think that's why what I'm trying to say is that with COVID-19, there's been this opportunity for it to move a bit faster. And I guess the main actors in the civic tech space is right now citizens and government. So if we are um, getting to a point where both of them are almost endorsing or acknowledging the importance of technology to, for example, just to encourage participation between the two and communication, I think that's a good thing. And that's a good driver right now. A good example is National Treasury. We have two projects around um, information and budget data, which is Vuleka Mali and Municipal Money. And both of these portals, in in terms of what government is trying to do, has made enormous strides in making that information accessible to our citizens. I mean, I know for the fact as just a citizen, I'm sort of daunted and overwhelmed by the the budget of a department. And now these, these online tools that just makes it so much easier for my grandma and my uncle to understand what the government is doing with the money that they um, allocate to a department. I think what, what I would add to that is that the most innovative or the most interesting projects I see, or perhaps the most successful, are, are projects that in, in civic tech are probably projects that address problems people are facing themselves. So I think one of my favorite examples of a civic tech project that isn't often called that is uh, the ESCOM Supush app. And that app basically shows you when the, the national power network is going to uh, turn power off for different areas in the country and when that's going to affect you. It's an amazing app because if you, without that app, you have to look at your, your local government's status and some, some complicated uh, website that the, the power network have on their website. That's really hard to understand and people find it very difficult to use. And with this app, you just get a push notification that tells you, oh, you're going to have uh, a power outage in two hours time something like that and that's something that someone had this issue and they they built the app and boom hundreds of thousands if not millions of south africans are are really extremely appreciative of that one of my uh most successful projects 
address the problem that that I I had, where I I was trying to build uh, one of these uh, budget portals, and um, I was looking for information, uh, and I knew where to find it, but I couldn't find it via Google. So I had to kind of scrape that whole website and find the text that I was looking for, uh, just to be able to to answer my own question. And then I made that available as a website to other people, and and other people are are loving it, and someone even did their masters using it frequently. I think what that means for civic technology in in Africa is that we need to be bringing this this approach into everyone's hands so that it's not just in the hands of the the select few who have who have sort of a computer science degree who have years of experience building software but people who are facing problems day to day real problems not sort of the nice problems that that we have like we're not going to have power for an hour or I can't find some some answer, but people who don't have access to water, to electricity, I think they they need to be part of the the teams that are addressing problems. So we need to be creating communities of innovation, so that so that this is not just siloed in in our heads. So this is very interesting, but I wonder with the poor infrastructure or unequal access to technology and data, for example, how would you say we can improve access? to ordinary citizens because if we are able to give people some of these solutions and people are able to use them it would alleviate a lot of pressure right yeah i, th- I think people are incredibly innovative i remember a friend who, who lives in a, a township in south africa saying they they are completely dependent uh, on gmail and google contacts and so on because every time their phone gets stolen they would lose all of their contacts but because on android you you log into an account as, as soon as you, you're able to get a new phone, you've got your contacts back. I, I've uh, shown people how to learn programming on their phones in, in that uh, township community. I think I want to stress the point I, I made at the start that it's not just about uh, technology or building software. It's about using technology to and, and innovative thinking um, and uh, user-centered design to, to support the, the problem-solving process. So, and, and that's something people can practice anywhere so i think those are the skills that i think are are really important to transfer so that people can use whatever technology they have access to and it's not the technology that's going to be solving the problem but it might help make some kind of approach more efficient so so it's it's both leading on uh user-centered design trying to understand who is the the subject here who is the person facing the problem and what are their needs what's their reality and then seeing maybe there's there's something that that technology can help, but they don't have to write software a lot of the time to be practicing civic technology. And uh, what what would you say governments can do differently to support um, more civic initiative? The the one the one angle there is something like the open government partnership. I think when government does make commitments to openness and transparency and and welcoming collaboration, that is helpful. And I think the the main way that that's helpful is is probably in that. Uh, the people inside the civil service who then want to make positive change, they have something to point to, to say, we have this commitment, let's get this thing done. And there are lots of those people. And, and we're lucky to, working in civic technology, we get to meet those people. Um, so we're often working with the people who, who really want to, to make things happen. So, so that gives them a bit of bar- bargaining power to say there was this policy commitment to, to openness and to collaboration. I think the, the other thing is, is honesty about what, what you're going to do. So, so for example, if, if you're trying to, to run a project and you say that there's going to be a, a participatory process, 
if it's not going to be participatory, then tell people it's going to be participatory because people are going to figure out whether it's participatory or not, and you're not going to look very good when they when they do. So I think it's important to be to be just open and honest about how things work, but to to look for those opportunities where where you can welcome welcome input and and people do show up. I think it's it's incredible. We've we've held some. Um, public engagements where people have said they've, they've shown up to many public engagements before and they've been disappointed. Why is this one different? And I think the significant thing where, there was that they were still showing up. Um, so I think we, we shouldn't assume that people are, are tired and completely disgruntled. They might be disgruntled, but they still want to see change. Fully agree with you. I was, I was, I was also going to allude to the fact that right now, the South African government have entered into, I would say, international agreements like with uh, Open Government Partnership and Open Contracting and uh, other organized, international organizations that sort of advocate for, say, for open data, for civic technology in its, in, in its entirety. And that actually makes it for us as civic tech organizations, uh, not a safe space, but more of an opportunity for us to then, you know, engage with. Uh, government and put forward proposals and put forward concepts of, of potential areas of change. We are aware that government is a huge machine, which is very systematic. And um, I sometimes look at it as an unconfigurable process, entire government. But what we've what we're seeing is that there is a, there is an appetite from government. There is an appetite from departments to find ways to um, engage with citizens or engage with the client, whether it's home affairs or whether it's a municipality that's keen to allow deeper engagement with its community around service delivery or around the IDP or budget process. So it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction, I would say, from a government point of view. That is good to hear, uh, most certainly. Both you, JD and Adrian, what would you say is the, is the future of, of civic tech in Africa? Having the, the user at the center and not just keeping it in the hands of the, the privileged few, but having everyone participate in coming up with solutions um, and looking at, at the, the options available. And not just including the, the usual civic tech actors of, of having some people from government and some people from um, like technology hubs. And, and I mean, it's fantastic to have that, to have some, some students, especially technology students, so that some people can, can understand the technology. But that's fine, but you need, you need to go much bigger than that. You need to have people from, from banking, from finance, from infrastructure, from construction. All of those things are the things that affect the, the living environment of, of people and the, the day-to-day work. So, so they all need to kind of come together and participate in coming up with, with solutions and trying things out. But really having, having the, the citizens at the center of that. Thank you very much. That was JD and Adrian from Open Up. You can follow Open Up on Twitter at OpenUpSA and follow us at Civic Tech Africa. I hope you were inspired and enjoyed our conversation. Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets.